There's a lot of change afoot in the world of project management certifications, and the Project Management Institute's PMP designation is no exception. In some ways, it makes a lot of sense. The way project teams collaborate is changing continuously. Our understanding of what makes a great leader is evolving, and the spectrum of projects we're taking on is broadening. But is it enough just to get a PMP designation and move on? Does it teach the more human elements of the role? And is it evolving rapidly enough to keep pace with other project management training? If some of the recent changes to the PMP certification process have left you with even more questions than you had before, keep listening. In this second part of our two-part series on the state of the PMP, we're going to be highlighting what skills a PMP certification doesn't necessarily teach you, how to fill those gaps through professional development, and what the future holds for PMI and the PMP designation. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. My name is Galen Lowe with the Digital Project Manager. We are a community of digital professionals on a mission to help each other get skilled, get confident, and get connected so that we can amplify the value of project management in a digital world. If you want to hear more about that, head on over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Is it enough just to get a PMP these days? Like, What is going to be missing in your tool belt as a project manager if all you do is maybe that self-study, read that book, right? Like, Take that exam. And then to your point, <laughs> I've arrived, but what are some of the things that, you know, this body of knowledge doesn't necessarily prepare you for? Oh, people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've gotten kind of better, but I mean, I think that's also what I bring in. I mean, I, the how you are seeing me, this is exactly how I am when I teach. So I bring in <laughs> the jokes and the levity, but it really is the people. So we talk about, right, creating a project management plan and people are like, you know, nobody has time for that. Crystal, I said, oh yeah, but do you have time to have 15 different meetings restating what you said? This plan allows you to address the amnesia that people have during the course of a project, as well as better practice, get people signing off on it so that when they ask you, well, why are we doing this? And it's like, oh, well, on page 25 where you signed off, (laughs) this is what, of course, you would do much more differently. (laughs) But I think the people aspect, and there's a sentence in the seventh edition of the PMBOK guide, which I just think is so profound. Mm -hmm. People drive projects, period. That is their one sentence. And Mm -hmm. it's so true. It is the people in the organization who say, hey, I want this to happen. It is the people who you have to tap into. And the thing about people, and something I always say in my class they come with, and then I pause, and people are like, issues, emotions, <laughs> stuff, baggage. It's all those things that you mm-hmm. have to navigate, work through. You come with your own stuff, and you have to navigate and work through that. We talk about, like, very briefly on emotional intelligence, but I think that's where having the professional development classes after you pass mm-hmm. on managing upwards, managing across your peer group managing when you don't have honestly formal authority. You were just like, you know, there was an email that went out with your name. We were like, (laughs) whatever. And so you have to get people on your side and seeing the light and, you know, get out from the darkness. (laughs) So (laughs) it is, you know, just managing all those people and something that I've recognized and I come from the consulting world Hmm. and we call ourselves engagement managers, right? (laughs) Right. We just knew we had to manage the people. And I find that those folks have an easier transition into just straight up project management because Mm -hmm. they know I still have to engage all these people. The folks who tend to have struggle 
is that they were their own self. Mm -hmm. They were the technical person, the subject matter expert. And I was like, you're good at managing yourself. Manage the whole project with all these people. Before (laughs) they could grumble with you as peers. Now you have to delegate and kind of tell them what to do. And no one told you how to do that diplomatically. You're just thinking, I'm the project manager. So I get to tell you what to do. And they're like, (laughs) where's my project charter badge? (laughs) Right. And they're like, again, who made you boss of me? And that's something that I want to encourage folks, you know, whether it is getting a mentor, taking those leadership development courses, listening to LinkedIn learning and getting that insight and just kind of figuring out what works for you. Short, like little story. So there's a concept that we learn about tacit knowledge. And that's the knowledge that's really in people's heads and, you know, based on their experience. And I said, for example, I had a boss. He did some things that I just wouldn't do, just very questionable. (laughs) When I was in a management position, my assistant manager, I just nailed it. And I was surprised. (laughs) She was like, that was so awesome, Crystal. How'd you know to do that? And I said, well, I thought about my old (laughs) boss. And I said, he probably would do this. I would do the opposite. (laughs) Like, it's it's just based on that, you know feels and experience and really how I would like to be managed. And that takes some finesse and comfort level. And you're just always going to be developing that and just know that's never going to be always a right answer in a right way because people come with baggage, Mm -hmm. emotions, opinions, and you just have to kind of navigate and just go with the flow and always remember the ultimate mission of the project. And that's why that charter for me is gold. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let me look at this chart. Okay, this is why we're doing it. Right. This is a good thing. <laughs> I'm not going to quit just yet. <laughs> no, but I love that, right? Like people drive projects. You could be the pessimist. You could say people usually are the ones who mess up projects, <laughs> right? <laughs> with, with all that baggage. Yep. And I think thematically something that comes up with the people that I talk to is now almost pining for this like silver bullet uh, <laughs> that like is the course that you should take to become, you know, a good leader. But I think the trick about it, like you said about mentorship, like you said about looking at examples of maybe bad examples of people who are being leaders, people who are interacting with people and like taking all these inputs to kind of craft that within yourself because it's going to be unique. There's no textbook and certification for whatever, being a kind and charismatic, empathetic, respectful leader. You know, A, that would be far too many letters to put at the end of your name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but people will try. (laughs) Our next course. Yeah. Crystal and the DPM collaborate on. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I think that like that ties it right in, right? Like you're going to have some gaps. It's not a full package reading the project management body of knowledge, which says it in the title. I know we shorten it a lot, but it's just a body of knowledge. It's like a bunch of stuff that we've learned put together in a book. We'll get to seventh edition in a bit. But uh, I find some people have that expectation. Yeah. They're like, OK, I've got all my tools in the bat belt. And now I'm like the best project manager. And it's like, it's that misconception, right? What you said earlier. Actually, this is for folks who've been doing it. Folks who've been paying attention to how they interact with people as a informal manager with informal authority, you know, in high pressure situations. And then you kind of go and do your PMP to like really crystallize that knowledge. No pun intended. But like to put it all together. Yeah, there you go. I've arrived. No, I love that. Actually, maybe I should ask this as well. Like maybe painting with a brush, but I'm picturing that That's what indoor recess is kind of all about, right? Like we get together, we know some stuff, but we're trying to just like talk it through, right? Like I have this charter, but nobody listens to Mm -hmm. me or whatever. Or I did this charter, it's on a shelf somewhere gathering dust. Like what am I doing wrong? And like more of that human situational, you know, chaotic stuff that you just don't get 
you might learn a bit about in the textbook or through a course, but it's just kind of hard to parse yeah. it when your situation is so unique. I mean, is that what indoor recess is all about? Yeah, it's all of that. I mean, we get into the technical stuff where we will create a WBS if that's what the topic is. I'm changing it up and kind of a little shameless plug. It's indoor recess Whoop. is coming out in April, <laughs> so you'll hear more from me about that one. But a lot mm -hmm. of people don't do risk management. Oh my gosh, like that is so important. And I think I'm pretty much a bubbly, optimistic person, but I'm always thinking about risk. Well, what if this is happening? And I went through that exercise. I have an internship right now and I'm working with my intern where I had her create a risk register. And she's like, you know, I've never gone this deep about it. And we really talked about coming up with responses and it's all just so you're not, ah, what do you do? But it's like, okay, here's plan B, mm -hmm. here's plan C around if this happens. And some are, you know, low priority, some are going to be high priority, but it's just to yep. stop and think. And that was something I remember one of my clients way back in the day where she said, what I love about the structure of, at least at the time I was teaching her based on the sixth edition, it just has prompts mm -hmm. for you to stop and think and ask great questions. And that's really, and I have to give a shout out to a friend and really he's become a mentor of mine, Frank Gerard. You know, he said, what he loves about the sixth edition of the Pembot Guide is that it prompts you to ask questions because that's really mm -hmm. what being a great project manager is all about. It's not about what my needs are and what I think the requirements are. It's about what right. the stakeholders' needs are and what they want and their requirements and negotiating with them. Mm -hmm. That's part of the people aspect of the give and take because we can't do it all. <laughs> you can't get a Cadillac on a Schlitz malt <laughs> liquor budget. Like you can't get champagne like mm -hmm. that. Like this is the budget we have, but I'm willing to hear and ask questions. Why do you think you need this feature? Can we do this or scale back right. based on the budget we have? And doing the yes, no, or yes, we can do this if you can provide me with more resources or more money or mm -hmm. something of that sort. So yeah, that balancing act. And I think a lot of folks, you know, they get into the role and they think the job is to say no. Sometimes it is, <laughs> but in a lot of cases, it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, that's what you really want, but we got to reshuffle some of this stuff. Um, and I love, like, I just love this conversation as well, because, you know, it's so casual, colloquial, like weekend language. And I think people pick up on like words like risk management and risk register and, you know, quantitative risk analysis. And they're like, it's opaque. They're like, that sounds like I needed to have, you know, done more math right. than I did in university. <laughs> Whereas actually it's like a, you know, what do we need to be prepared for? Let's talk it through because guess what? Like, just to be the realist, chaos is a thing, right? Like, it's not all going to go to plan. You know, we're going to have things come in and out and like, we just need to communicate about how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Well, can I ask you a quick question? Because you just said something that I always love to ask because you said chaos. And sometimes the way that people like to describe project mm -hmm. management is they'll say controlled chaos. Do you agree with that? I do. and I don't. I think the word chaos is kind of loaded, right? I think people think right. of chaos and they think of frenzied. And I think mm -hmm. it kind of goes to like, oh, like I'm a panicky PM. And they're like, no, I'm not like, that's not what I do. But I think what I mean by chaos in that sense is just like you can't plan on things going one certain way. It's just not how the world works. It's not how anything works mm -hmm. in this universe. Something's going to change and we'll need to be proactive, but also like productive about solving that problem. It's not like a, right, you wake up and you're going to go for a run, but it's raining and you're just like in a bad mood for the rest of the day. But versus the mindset right. of, okay, well, what else can I do? Like it's raining today, right? And just kind of mm -hmm. approaching it as a problem to be solved. Chaos is a problem to be solved. Doesn't mean frenzy, doesn't mean panic. It doesn't mean you're bad at your job. It just means things will change 
And you have to be the person who's going to tell people that and reconcile that in people's heads because otherwise people think it's scary, frenzied, panicked, right? Oh, Kaylin, I'm taking this portion of the recording and showing it in my classes. That was great. I love it. And you're absolutely right. And that is the characteristic of a really effective project manager when you stop and think about, well, if this doesn't go this way, here's another way that we can do it. And sometimes when everything is just go, 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 and you don't think from that planning standpoint, it can feel chaotic. But I was like, yeah, I can put on my Peloton app. I can, you know, just do some jumping jacks. Like it doesn't have to be the end all be all. There's definitely a way to still get to your end goal of, you know, looking good for the summer. So I like right. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. What is the end goal? Even if the plan doesn't say right. this, I was wondering if we could swing back on the project sure. management body of knowledge guide, <laughs> seventh edition, seventh the seventh edition. edition. <laughs> like you said, it is a different beast. And I know I've like, I talked it to death in my circles, but I was really keen to get your take on it because it's different now. And it's really interesting. And it has these human components. But like in the back of my head, as someone who probably, I mean, I've read it, but I haven't written the exam. And I'm like, how do you test on this? What does the exam look like now? Is this like more about sharing a mindset, but not necessarily like having a multiple choice answer to how to, you know, keep it human? Or is the exam changing? Like, what should people expect if what they were thinking was fifth edition, sixth edition? Like, <laughs> has it changed radically? <laughs> it has changed significantly. I have to be careful because we're not supposed to reveal, because I have not seen the exam. All I'm privy to is the exam content outline. Word on the street. Got it. Okay. Is that it's very situational based. (laughs) So you will find that on the internet, the interwebs. It is very situational based, meaning (laughs) they love to ask the question, what should the project manager do? And you need to read the entire question to get that context based on your understanding of what's good practice. So when I gave that earlier example of people are confused about who the project manager is, they're not sure what the whole project is about, what should you do? I personally would be aiming for an answer option that said something related to the project charter. So rather than being a question of what document did you fail to create, it would be more of kind of a global question (laughs) in that stance. The scary math that you and I had to go through when we took it based on versions five and (laughs) four, five, and six, earned value management, critical path method. What I will say, people have said to Mm -hmm. me, I never need to pull out a calculator. And I'm like, (laughs) so from my own experience, not from teaching them, I'm just like, "Eh." because I think actually those are good skills to understand because if you use any type of project management Mm -hmm. software system, especially those really robust ones like... Microsoft Project, Clarity, Primavera, they use those tools and those techniques of earned value management and critical path methods so that you now have an understanding under the hood of those software systems, why it's giving you the response or the answer or the result that it is every time you hit refresh. I still debate how in-depth I want to get into that because I feel like I'm doing my students a disservice of not understanding that. But then again, it's like, I'll tell them, prioritize this low on your list though. Like if math freaks you out, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. But I know like the simulator that I provide them, it gives them math questions. So I really feel like I'm not doing right by them. If I say, don't look at it in their exam simulator has like five math questions. They're like, well, you say, don't worry about it. So I just kind of manage expectations that way. But (laughs) the seventh edition is a drastic change. 
I'll start with that and then kind of weave back into the exam. It's smaller. (laughs) The sixth edition is 700 plus pages. And Mm -hmm. this one is maybe 240, 250 pages. I think that was my count. And it's focused on outcomes. I appreciate that. I do. Because a lot of people felt that sixth and prior editions are very prescriptive. And you must do this and you must do that. And plus we had you know, 49 project management processes that we need to memorize. They've pulled away from that. So that's a huge shift mm-hmm. from what you and I are familiar with. We also, for each project management process, for all 49 of them, we had to have a good handle on the inputs, tools, and techniques, and outputs, what we call the ITTOs or ITOs. They're pulling mm-hmm. away from that. They're not doing that anymore. It's less about rote memorization and understand the situation based on the question and what should you do? And people are like, I don't know what I would do. And then what I always tell them is you have to be in planet PMI. So what does PMI (laughs) say the project manager needs to do? So that's the shift that you need to make in answering those questions is when they ask you, what should the project manager do? or What should the project manager do next? It's you got to finish that with according to PMI. Like (laughs) This is what PMI says I need to do. And sometimes where it seems like, well, this is what I would do in real life. They probably have that as an answer option. Don't pick that one. Like, but then there's one that's kind of right, yeah. weird, but it sounds more like the PMI answer. And it's that mindset that you just have to say, especially when you're answering the questions, what is the best PMI answer? What is the best PMI answer? You know, and I used to give that a lot of grief when I was studying. I was like, oh, we got to think like PMI, even though that's not how it's done in the real world. But then when you remember right. that it's like, this is a body of knowledge. It's a global body of knowledge for project yes. managers, period. So like someone out there needs to calculate earned value every day. Right? Someone right. out there is getting asked SPI, CPI every day. And just because yeah. you're not, yeah, right? Exactly. And I think the one thing that like, you know, to its credit, I got my PMP and I was like, haha, I don't really need this for what I do. And the next job, I actually needed some of the things, right? Like I was like, hold on. Okay, I get it. You know, you add a zero to your budget. Suddenly risk management becomes a lot more important. You add another zero. Yeah, guess what? <laughs> right? Like it's going to be really important to do these things at scale. And at the end of the day, right? Like we touched on it. It's a body of knowledge. It's a bucket of good stuff that you can use and you probably need to know it to pass mm-hmm. the exam, but you may not need to use it every day to be a good project manager. Right. And to your point, it used to be just the one text. Well, the current exam is based on 12 different references. You don't need to read all 12 references. And one of them is no longer the sixth edition. They've taken that off the list. It's the seventh edition that they reference along with other books that are there, like the Agile Practice Guide. So another added piece that's different for you and I is that the exam is 50% Agile. And a lot of people have said it feels more like 60%. And I think because they've also added in hybrid. So that's where it may feel like, well, they added this Agile term to also doing something in the traditional project management space. So they just automatically say, well, this is an Agile question. But that's a huge benefit that, today's PMP aspirants are going to get that we didn't necessarily get is learning more of the tools and techniques in the Agile. So Big Papa Agile, not a specific framework (laughs) um, like Scrum. And, you know, when people will ask me about what Agile, and this is kind of piggybacking on an earlier question you had, you know, what do you do after you get the PMP? If you like the mechanics and the benefits that Agile can provide to your organization, I think it's a good idea to get an Agile certification. Now, which one you get 
that just is going to be on you. They're unlike the PMP in the US, which mm-hmm. is the gold standard, right? Like if you want the certification in project management, that's the gold standard. In Agile, uh, it's kind of like a wonderland. <laughs> like you just have to kind of figure out your time, your budget. And honestly, if there are other people in your organization that have the same Agile cert, it just makes sense yeah. to just talk the same language. So that's usually my guidance for folks. I teach mm-hmm. the ACP. I love it. I'll be honest, not a lot of people are achieving that, but I do think that they go right. more in depth and it can be just as grueling as the PMP exam experience, right? You have to memorize. It's not open mm-hmm. book like some of those other exams are. It is a lot more content, but you actually dig deeper than some of the other kind of two-day courses that just kind of talk about the events, the roles and ah, you have a certification, <laughs> which I don't, which I don't knock, but it's all, I think to your point, Galen, you have to actually now apply. So whether it's the PMP, the PMIACP, the CSM, you now have to apply those skills and see how it works based on your organization. And some of it you'll have to massage, some of you have to tailor to meet the needs of the organization. I mean, like to kind of uh, tee that off, like... I did my PMP when it was fifth edition. I was going to do my ACP because I was like, there was no agile in my curriculum. Nowadays, Mm -hmm. you're going to get some agile in your PMP exam and what you're learning. But ACP is still a step up to dive deeper, have, you know, more whatever complex concepts and language to help you be an agile practitioner on top of your PMP. You still might need both. Yep. Absolutely. And the ACP talks about maybe five to seven different practices that are pretty popular, but, you know, number one popular one is the Scrum framework because it's just the easiest to implement. And I I appreciate it for that because you can go right in and implement it. So that's where I get nothing for saying this, but getting the CSM, you know, might be a great avenue if ACP, like I did the PMP, I don't want to go through that grueling (laughs) experience again and submitting an application. You don't have to submit an application for the CSM. And a lot of people have that credential, so you can all at least talk the same language. Yeah, I think that's a big deal. Yeah. All right, last question. I'm going to put you on the spot because something we said earlier about, you know, in some ways what Project Management Institute is doing with the PMP and the exam and ACP, like it's somewhat confusing. It's changing fast. But like we've been talking <laughs> about in a world where there are other things, there's other globally recognized credentials, right? We're talking about CSM, Certified Scrum Master. Google's got their Project Management Certificate. Do you think... The Project Management Institute is transforming fast enough to keep pace. And are we in store for more confusing or is it like leveling out, especially as someone writing a book about it? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I make sure I don't get myself in trouble here. (laughs) I do appreciate that they have incorporated Agile in the content just because you hear enough times people are like, oh, we don't need traditional project management is the way of the cave person. and you know, we need to be agile. And so I think they definitely were reacting to that. But it also, with the integration of agile, I think it also helps people to make better choices in getting the agile certification. They're a lot more aware. And I think it gets them excited. Like, first of all, I've been doing agile, right? So they're not jumping into a course, but when they go through the PMP training and, you know, we talk about the daily standups and retrospectives, they're like, first of all, I love the retrospective. I'm doing that in my own projects, regardless if it's agile, but then also realizing and recognizing I've been doing some agile stuff and I want to learn more. And so I think always about lifting people up and empowering them to like go further and pique their interest in furthering their learning. 
So I think that they have done a fantastic job with that from that aspect. They have added a lot of products and now it seems to be a little bit confusing for people because they're like, should I get these micro certifications now? You know, because it's not just the ACP from an agile perspective that PMI has as a product. There's the disciplined agile and choose your wow. And then I think they're coming out with the construction project management certification. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's definitely trying to have a competitive edge. I think the best way for folks to figure out what's the right credential is to get involved with PMI, whether it is volunteer or becoming a member. (laughs) Uh, I get nothing for saying that. (laughs) I wish I did. But be careful Mm. about chasing the certifications. (laughs) I am done. (laughs) I'm good. And part of it is because, and I think to your earlier point that you said, Galen, was Mm -hmm. no one's asked me about this certification. So until someone asks me, you know, do you have the construction project management and I (laughs) don't do construction work, I'm not going to go and get it for the sake of getting it. You know, there's the program management certification portfolio. I think though it just becomes more of what you want. Just know that it's money investment for getting these certifications and it's a time investment because you now have to maintain them. And I've gone through, I'm sure like many listeners, I've achieved certifications where I just let it lapse. I didn't maintain it. And then, you know, sometimes I do have the buyer's remorse (laughs) and like, oh, I can't believe I let it lapse. And you just don't want to do that. Like if, so just kind of be careful about chasing all the certifications is it really necessary for the job and if you're going to get the certifications get your employer to pay for it like put that in your professional development because that's money out of your pocket and and it can benefit them and i see the value in that but i think pmi is definitely trying to respond to maybe Mm -hmm. market needs i'm hoping they've sent surveys out and this is what they've heard but you know hands down gold standard for project management is the PMP in the U.S. And it's definitely making its mark in Europe. You know, Prince 2 is the Mm -hmm. gold standard there. But I see a lot of my colleagues in Europe who have the PMP as well. Really, it's just like what the job description says. (laughs) What if you're in federal contracting, that is kind of the gold standard certification if you want to be the key personnel on that contract. So I love that notion of just get in there and talk to people because, you know, I think a lot of us are kind of like, you know, sitting there browsing the website like it's going to unlock all the answers, but it might not because everyone's, you know, their own person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's amazing. See, we kept you out of hot water. Nicely done. <laughs> Thank you, PMI, for everything. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Crystal. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. It was such a pleasure having you on the show. Before we let our listeners go, how can folks find out more about MindSpark and some of the programs and projects that you talked about, like Indoor Recess and your book and your course? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, I would say number one way, because I'm always active on LinkedIn, is connect with me. And you know, if it's like, hey, I listened to this recording, this podcast with DPM, I'll definitely say, yeah, some people I'm like, mm, <laughs> why do you want to connect with me? So definitely put that on there. And my website is the MindSpark. That's mindsparkwiththeq.com. And I do have a link to my website on my LinkedIn page. And definitely on my homepage, if you scroll all the way down the bottom, near the bottom, there's an opportunity for you to sign up for the newsletter. I try to have something valuable every week where it's a tip, it's something you can do right now, something that you can wait on. I, especially if you're interested in classes, I'll also highlight the bottom, hey, I have my set of classes coming up in at the time of this recording, I've got two ACP classes coming up, but you know, definitely I have a schedule there. So 
whenever you think that you're ready to get PMP in 2023. I saw that on their website. I'm like, that rhymes. So I'll be using that. Let me know how I can help you. And I will be so kind as to say, if, hey, if you just want some resources to get you started on your way, I know that works too, because you're a good reference for me. I had a connection where she's like, I don't know if I want to do your boot camp. I'm like, okay, fine. Here's mm-hmm. what you need to do. Boom, 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 boom. I just gave her this laundry list. She followed it to the letter, passed within 30 days. And I'm like, that's how I know the process works. And she said, I followed everything you said. So I'm happy to provide that as well. Because like I said, if you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to spend that money, you're going to be a pain on my side anyway. And you're like, oh, I could have done this on myself. Just take my advice. Here's the boom, 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 the list. And you'll be successful as well. Straight up. There you go. <laughs> there you have it, folks. Crystal, thanks so much again for spending your time with us. And for folks listening, as always, if you want to join a conversation with over a thousand like-minded project management champions, come and join our collective. Head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com slash membership to learn more. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and stay in touch on thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.